actually this week, God has been putting on my heart just a, a topic that we've been dealing with. And, and it's been in more than just one person. It's been in a, 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 bunch of, a bunch of us. And I think it's something we all struggle with. And it's a big part of my story. And it's, it's called forgiveness. I don't know if you can ever preach enough on forgiveness. Uh, anytime we do uh, uh, kind of you ask a question or you give us a topic that you want us to preach about, one of the top six is always forgiveness. I think sometimes people don't know how to forgive. I think really sometimes we get confused on how to forgive. Okay, so I, do I just say that I forgive them and then I wait till I feel better? Or can I actually have peace when I actually forgive them? You ever wonder questions like that? Anybody ever been hurt before? Has anybody ever done you wrong? Has anybody ever taken advantage of you? Let me ask this question. This might seem a little weird. Has anybody ever sinned against you? You know, the Bible, when you, when you read the Lord's Prayer, there's a part in the Lord's Prayer where it says to forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So when people hurt us, it's like they sin against us. It's just, I don't know about you, but that seems a little awkward to me. It doesn't just fit right. That they've actually sinned against me. But it's the truth. When people offend you, when people hurt you, when they take advantage of you, when they do things that, that, that do something to you, it, it's as if they sinned against you. And so that happens to all of us, right? I believe every one of us are, are, are capable and have experienced some kind of hurt some, to some degree, some more than others. I mean, some of you were born in the church, saved in the church, and never left the church, and nobody's ever offended you, and you never had to deal with unforgiveness. I don't know. That wasn't me. I've had to deal with a lot of it, unfortunately. And I'll be honest with you, I, I took the long road on forgiveness. I had to learn forgiveness through walking it out. I learned forgiveness like Moses <laughs> kind of found God in the burning bush of life. I found forgiveness and I learned about forgiveness through my own life experiences. And when I walked through forgiveness and when I, when I learned the process of forgiveness... What's amazing about forgiveness is what comes after forgiveness. Because before forgiveness, when you've got all this bitterness and this anger and this rage and this jealousy and all these things the Bible clearly talks about, before forgiveness, you're living like a storm inside. Can I get an amen? Now you lay in the bed and what do you think about? The offense. The person. What are you trying to do? You're trying to pull them down to your level, right? You're trying to discredit them. You, them no good son of a guns. I knew it. For years they've been after me and they finally got me. But there's this storm going on inside before forgiveness comes. And so this morning I want to show you how to deal with that storm. Is that all right? It better be because that's what I'm going to preach. We're going to deal with that storm, Okay. And then we're going to use the life of Jesus, and, and then we're going to talk about how to forgive. How to just simply release people. And then the last point I'm going to make today is, 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 is I'm going to be talking about excess baggage and how some of us have been carrying some things for too long, and today we really need to just drop some stuff. Is it okay? Today, listen, I, my goal for you today is that you leave here 
with a greater understanding of how to deal with your hurt, a greater understanding of how to, how to forgive, and that you walk out here at least 20, 30 pounds lighter. Somebody should have got excited about that. <laughs> Seriously. You're going to get 20, 30 pounds of baggage off of us. You've been carrying that junk too long. Amen? So I want to give you three steps to forgiveness. Step number one is the process of, lament, of lamenting. How many of you have ever heard that word lament? Okay, it's good. That's honest. That's actually more people than I thought. It's not a common word or modern word that we use today as lamenting. You know, man, you, you don't go to your friends and say, man, what did you do yesterday? Oh, man, I spent half the day lamenting. <laughs> They're like, what is that? It's like an ointment or something? Lament- lamenting? Is that a new recipe? What is that? Lamenting is, as if you read the book of Psalms, what you're reading is you're reading basically David's lament to God. It's David's crying out to God. It's David when he was hurt, when he failed, when he sinned, when his enemy had victory over him. David would go to God and he would just spill his guts to God. That's it's, it's as simple as you can put it. It's spilling your guts to God. And I don't think most of us do that enough. In fact, some of you, just from watching your Facebook, you spend more time spitting up on Facebook than you do to God. Some of you spend more time on the phone telling everybody else what's going on with you instead of God. I know. You know how I know? Because I'm guilty. I've been the same way. I want to tell everybody how I feel. Why? So that they'll what? Feel sorry for me. Because let me tell you, I'm a man, okay, and I can walk on my own. I'll beat you up. I'm a strong guy. I can go forward. I don't need nobody's help, but I like Tata. You can ask my wife. When I get sick, the reason I don't get sick is because my wife prays for me not to get sick. You know why she prays for me not to get sick? So she don't have to deal with me. Okay, it's a process, but hey, it's working. I'm like, hey, I'm not changing nothing. I'm staying healthy. But the process of lamenting, go with me to Luke chapter 23. I want to show you how Jesus lamented in the garden. You remember the story of when Jesus was in the garden? He's getting ready to be, um, he's, he's re- getting ready to be betrayed by Judas. And it's at, it's at night. And, and if you've watched The Passion, it's the, it kind of starts the movie off where Jesus is in the garden. You remember the whole snake scene? And he, boom, remember that? How many of you jumped when that happened in The Passion? Yeah, that was pretty cool. But it's, it's that moment and Jesus is in the garden. And so Jesus knows what's coming. Okay, so you got to know this, that Jesus is fully aware of what's getting ready to happen to him. Okay, he was 100% human and 100% God. He knew exactly what he was getting ready to walk through. That's why he was able to tell his disciples, guys, you just need to, get, you need to guard your hearts. You need to be ready because the Son of Man is getting ready to suffer. He said it over and over and over again. He was trying to get his guys prepared. Now, looking back, he probably should spend a little bit more time with Peter, right? Because Peter didn't know how to take it. The guy came to betray Jesus. Peter cut a dude's ear off. Should have spent a little more time with, with Peter, okay? But, but so Jesus is in the garden, okay? He's getting ready to go to the garden. He knows what's coming up. They just had the last supper, and he told someone that they're going to betray him and all this stuff. And he brings his guys out to the garden. And the Bible says, which was his practice, okay? So this was a familiar place to Jesus, This is a place that he prayed often. 
Okay, so he brings his, his disciples. He takes his disciples. He says, come on, let's go on a little, a little trip. And they're thinking, okay, we're going to pray. We're going to our prayer spot. So he goes to a certain point. He says, guys, look, stay right here and keep watch. And he says to three of his closest friends, and this is important. Three of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. These are the guys that were, that's, that were at the Mount of Transfiguration. These are the guys that went to the extra places with Jesus. Okay, this was his closer relationships. So Jesus says, okay, you guys come with me. And the rest of the guys dealt with their own jealousy. And, and those three guys come with Jesus. And it, he stops at this point, And I want you to see this. It's actually in Mark chapter 14. You don't have to turn. I'm just going to read it. I want to show you what it says in Mark. Starting at verse 33. Watch what he says here. It says, so he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, now watch what he says. My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He didn't tell all the disciples what was going on in his life. Just like you need to be careful not to tell everybody what's going on in your life. You need to place your own privacy clause on Facebook. You with me? Okay. But he didn't tell everybody what he was feeling, everybody what he was going through. He took his three closest guys and he didn't even give them the most intimate details. He said, guys, look, my heart is about to be crushed to the point of death. I just need you to stay right here and watch. I mean, it, you feel the emotion building? You know, when people offend us, there's this thing that starts to build inside of us, right? When we're hurt, this thing starts to rage and it starts to build and it pressure comes. And if we don't deal with it, what happens? It just gets worse and worse and worse, doesn't it? Now go back with me to Luke. Chapter 23, we're going to go to verse 39. Actually, 22. Verse 39, sorry. Sorry about that, Becky. I missed up. 22, verse 39. It says, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, where he told them, Pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about, about a stone's throw away and knelt down and prayed. Now watch his prayer. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I can't imagine that's, that that is the only words that Jesus said. You follow me? Because the Bible goes on to say that, that watch this, he says this. He says, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that, that his sweat fell to the ground like drops, like great drops of blood. He was in such agony that he was sweating to the point that it was like great drops of blood just falling off of him. And you thought you were under pressure. <laughs> and you thought you'd been through something. You see, Jesus was fully aware of what, what was about to happen to him. He knew that people were going to curse him. He knew they were going to spit on him. He knew they were going to put thorns in his head. He knew he was going to be whipped and beaten and flogged. He knew all these things were getting ready to happen. And what I believe the Bible says is that Jesus took it to the right source. Come on, somebody. He didn't, he didn't whine to his disciples. He didn't run. John the Baptist wasn't around anymore. So he didn't run to his friends. He went to the source. The source of what? The source of help. The source of strength, the source of grace. 
You remember when Paul was praying, Lord, take this thorn from my side? What did God say? No, my grace is sufficient for you. Right? So Jesus in the garden, he goes to God and he he falls on his knees and he prays. and He says, God, if, if you can please do it any other way. And please, please, but not my will, your will. You see, the important thing about lamenting is that you go to the right source. You go to God. I believe you need to go to God first and you need to go to God quickly. You with me? When somebody does something to you, You need to go to him quickly. Why? Because otherwise you're in this state of great temptation. It's almost as if you've got a scab or somebody's cut you physically and you're in this highly infectious area. If you don't deal with it quickly, you're going to catch an infection. You with me? So so if somebody offends you, somebody hurts you, if you don't go to God and deal with that quickly, the enemy's going to tempt you to do something that you shouldn't do. I believe that's where most of us miss it. Is that a true statement? Just shake your head. I believe that's, I know that's where I've missed it. I get hurt. My natural tendency is I'm a defensive kind of guy. I, I'll, you say something wrong to me, I'm going to come back. And I wish I wasn't that way, but that's just the way I am. I mean, you, you offend me, I'm going to offend you before we even leave. I'm going to get mine. <laughs> Some of you are like that too. But when you lament, you take it to God. And let me, let me let you in on something, okay? This is going to go against any kind of religiosity or any kind of legalism you may have. When you go to God and you lament, let me tell you something. You tell him exactly how it feels. Don't you dare go to God mad at the world, ready to kill somebody and fake it. You got a rage going on inside of you and you're like, oh, Lord, so-and-so hurt my feelings. <laughs> I want to tell you how I learned that. My grandmother passed away. I'd been in, I, I was just a, God blessed me with inheritances. I had, I had great uncles' inheritances. I had, I was in a room with my, my uh, nine or eight uncles and aunts. And I was given an inheritance equal to theirs when my grandmother passed away and a lot of them got jealous and came against me. I had no idea. I was clueless. They called me into a meeting, said, basically here, you get an equal portion. Actually, me and my aunt got something that the rest of my family didn't even get. Her brothers and sisters didn't even get it. We split $22,000. I'm sitting in the room with them. And so all this is going on. And, And as time goes by, I get a double portion of land that we sell. Nobody else in the whole family got a double portion. God's just, I mean, he's just dropping them on me. And I I was unaware. And honestly, I was kind of belittled. I was kind of, I felt embarrassed because I was being so blessed. You with me? And so I was just kind of, oh God. I'm like, Lord, you just put a bullseye on my back. I mean, what's, quit it. That's when you know you're blessed is when you you quit it. Don't ever do that. I learned a valuable lesson in that. But I had my closest uncle, and I was raised without a daddy. My, my closest uncle was like a father to me, taught me all kind of life lessons I still use today. And, and he called me Bubba. We called each other Bubba, and we were, we were tight. 
He calls me up one day, and we were living in Jennings. He lives in Franklin, and he's, he just starts giving it to me. What in the blankety blank makes you think you're so special? Who made you the golden child? I mean, he's just going off on me. Your grandmother didn't even love you. In fact, she told me she wanted to change the inheritance, but she died before she could change it. And man, he's just dropping these bombs on me, and I love him, and he's close. And that's the people that hurt us the worst, right? And so, man, he's just dropping these things. And I remember sitting in my backyard in a lawn chair, tears running down my eyes. And I just felt this thing inside, like, God, why'd you do this? You messed it up. But then something snapped inside of me, and I said, I said, you know what? You tell me why I'm the golden child. You tell me why I get things that nobody else gets. And he couldn't say nothing. And so a period of two years went by. That was our last conversation. Two years, man, I'm dealing with this hurt and this pain and this this brokenness. I mean, he cut me deep. He told me my grandmother didn't love me. My grandmother raised me. My grandmother used to pray with me. She used to sing hymns to me on the swing when I was a kid. She whipped my butt hard. She loved me. But you know what? He said those words. And you know what? I started believing it. I knew better, but I started believing it. Two years goes by, and one day I'm working on the other side of Franklin. And I'm by myself for once, and I've been wanting to stop. And I'm coming over the overpass, and his house is right there by the overpass. And I saw his truck was home. I said, I just had to do a gut check. I said, today's the day. I said, I'm going to go make it right. Humble myself. Ask for forgiveness, repent for things that I've done wrong, and just go make it right. I pull up in his driveway, and he's, he's playing with a kid out in the yard. They're riding a little motorcycle around the house. I, I didn't go all the way in the driveway. I just kind of stopped at the edge. And he rolls up on his motorcycle and looks at me with this cold-hearted look. And he goes, sorry, Bubba. I ain't got nothing to say to you. You can leave. Two years had gone by. Honestly, I was breathless. I jumped in my truck, and this is where I learned the lesson of lamenting. I jump in my truck, and man, I'm heading. I remember I'm going down the service road to get to the exit, and I'm just I start bawling, and I'm mad at God. I'm blaming God for all this. And let me tell you something. I just unleashed everything that had been inside of me for two years. I went at God. Now that doesn't sound right, does it? But that's right. I said, I said things like, God, I can't believe you did this. I'd have been better off if I never got anything. At least I would still have my family. You took my family from me. And I went on a rampage for about 10, 15 minutes, just giving God the what for. And I stopped. <laughs> Here comes the scary part. Then he gave me the what for. And he set me back in my place. A place that I didn't know I was supposed to be. This is what he said to me. So I just finished throwing up on him. I'm going and I'm driving. By this time I'm on Highway 90. I'm probably doing 85 miles an hour. You know how you are when you're emotional? I do 82 when I'm not emotional. <laughs> and I'm driving. I got tears running down my face. And my heart's, my adrenaline's racing. All these things are going on. And I just finished giving him my spiel. 
And I was kind of like, I kind of had the attitude, now take that. Because I was mad. I was mad at God. I was mad at my situation. I was mad at my circumstances. I was mad about all of that. And I dealt with it. And as soon as I finished, listen to what he told me. He said, let me tell you something. I set you up years before you were even born to get those inheritances. I'm calling you out of that family and starting something new. Don't you dare deny what I've given you. That was from me. That wasn't from your grandmother. That was from me. I set you up. And he went off on me. And you know what he did? This is the key. This is why you lament. He changed my perspective. He called me his son in that moment. He said, no matter what happened to you, no matter who said what, no matter how you feel, you're still my son. In fact, you're so much my son that before you was even born, I set this whole thing in motion. I'm not, I wasn't surprised that he did that. I wasn't surprised that it went that way. In fact, that was the way I got you out of that family. And I moved you out. And then that didn't just move you out. I gave you some money to go with it. He said, and then in the midst of all that, I showed your family that because you were faithful to serve me, that these are my children. (laughs) Then I really started crying. (laughs) But it was tears of joy. It was tears of of adoption. Because I felt like I, I finally made it home. My perspective was changed. It was no longer about me. It was about him. Are you with me? So when people come against you, it's not about you. It's about him. Because how you act and how you react describes who he is in your life. And so I just happen to be the type of person that when I go through some kind of experience like that, a couple days later, I chew on it. I process. I'm slow. It takes me a while. I process it. And I went. I had to evaluate the whole thing because I felt bad afterwards because I gave God the what for. I told him how I felt with the emotions that I was feeling. I didn't sugarcoat it like I'd been doing for years. Because I prayed about that years before that. But it was with the attitude of, Lord, I know they hurt me. And it wasn't real. Are you with me? I said the right things, but it wasn't real. God wants you to be real with him. Has he not been real with you? I mean, he was real when he sent Jesus to the cross. It was a real man in the, in the image of God that went to the cross for some real sin, for us to really be forgiven. He wants to be real. He wants us to be real. You see, I think too many times we fake it because we're worried about what other people feel. Sometimes you just got to give it like it is. And you got to not worry about what the other people think. That's where it starts. (laughs) So what do you do? Well, let's say, for instance, Pastor Pastor Jamie offends you. I say something stupid, do something stupid. And I hurt you. What do you do? You lament. What does that mean? You go to God and you tell God how you feel. Now, this is a great lesson to learn. 
It's, it's really good. You kind of go, wow, this is a good process. I really love that process, Pastor Jamie. If I'm so in love with that process. I highlighted it in my notes. And that's great because you need to highlight it because when it's time to lament, it ain't going to be so sweet. It ain't going to be so easy because you're going to be tested in it. You see, I was tested in it a couple months ago. Again. And I had a chance to either go to God and tell him how I felt or go to the people that hurt me and tell them how I felt. And I failed. Again, I failed. I was offended by something. I went home and I called myself lamenting. I gave God about five seconds. Lord, them no good some guns hurt me. I don't feel any better. I'm calling them. And you know what happened? I hurt them. And I increased the amount of damage that was taking place. You with me? So we've got to learn the process of lamenting. Jesus went to a quiet place to speak to God intentionally. You've got to be intentional when you go to pray. Come on, somebody. If you're feeling something, you need to go and deal with it. Deal with this stuff. You're not meant to carry it. You're not meant to carry that weight. If you were, God would have made you able to carry it and keep on living. The problem is, is when we don't, when we do try to carry it and we don't lament it and give it to God, what happens? We try to carry it and then we try to keep having this abundant life and the two don't go together. Right? So what does that tell us? You weren't meant to carry that. You weren't meant to carry that unforgiveness. You weren't meant to carry that anger and that bitterness. You're not meant, you're not built to carry that. Jesus was distressed. He took all of his emotions and he gave them them to God exactly how he felt. He prayed like his world was about to come to an end. And isn't it funny how when we get into a situation where somebody offends us or somebody hurts us or somebody does something against us, it feels like the world's coming to an end. There's a reason it feels that way. It's to make you pray like your world's coming to an end. It's to make you deal with your situation like, like it's important. Right? It's so important that God says, I want you to deal with it now so that you can keep doing what I want you to do. You see, because it's the enemy's way of bringing distraction. So if the enemy could have got Jesus to Boudet for three or four days, he might have missed the, the appointed time to be crucified. Right? Just like if, if the devil can get you to Boudet and pout for, for a week or two, or three or four years, then what's he done? He's gained victory in your life. You haven't been able to witness to nobody. You didn't give a rip about nobody else. Why? Because it was all about you. Because you didn't deal with you. You got to deal with this. And there's a whole lot of this you got to deal with. Right? But you got to deal with this before you can go and do that. Come on, somebody. That's why he says to do it quickly. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun go down. If you got all against your brother, the Bible says, go before the sun goes down and deal with it now. That's his kind way of saying, you want to sleep tonight? Go deal with it now. (laughs) You fighting with your wife or your husband? Deal with it now. Not only will you sleep good, you get to make up. That's the best part of a fight. Sometimes I start a fight just to make up. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Some of you do the same thing. You know, I hadn't had a good makeup in a while. 
so the first step to forgiveness is the process of lamenting. You got to learn how to deal with your hurt. You got to learn how to deal with your pain. You got to deal with it. And then let me tell you what happens after you deal with it with God. You don't need to deal with that person until you got peace right here. Listen to me. Until you got peace right here. Well, Pastor, you just said before the sun goes down. Yeah, that means you better hurry up. You better deal with you quickly and you better take it serious and you better be intentional about it. Because you're in, the, you're in the perfect environment for temptation to happen. The Bible says not to give the devil a footstool. So when you've got an open wound, it's like you lay out a, 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 some steps and you go, here you go. You now have access into my life and my relationships and everything else. Deal with it. And then once you've dealt with it with God, then and you, you, he, he changes your perspective and he changes your heart and the rage and the adrenaline is gone. And you start feeling some love for the people. Not like you'd love to pay them back, but the kind of love that I want to bring peace. You with me? Then you go to that person and you talk it out and you deal with it. Because Jesus says something on the cross. We're going to get to in a minute. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you realize that when most people offend you and hurt you, they realize not what they do? I offend people sometimes and I'm clueless. I'm bull in the china closet. I'm going to knock some plates over in your life. And, and then I, I come back around and I say, hey, how you doing? Like, All right. I'm like, the heck's wrong with them? They need to get right. I'm clueless. Because why? I didn't know. So most people that offend you, they don't know that they've offended you. Learn how to lament. It's a simple process. It's hard to do, but you got to do it. You just go to God and tell him how you feel, how you feel. Amen. And don't just go fuss at God or throw up on God and then walk away. Stay there long enough for him to say something back. Because that's not fair. Or he'll have to get you around the corner or something. Number two, freely forgive, forgive, forgive. You're supposed to correct that. Number two, he freely forgave. Jesus freely forgave. Luke 23, verse 32. Watch this. Jesus had been through everything he had been through. Spit on, cursed at, stabbed at, slung at, stuff thrown on him, whipped, flogged, crown of thorns. Had to actually get somebody to help him carry the cross up to the top. All these things. He's up there. He's been nailed to the cross. They put it in the ground, and he's hanging from a cross with two bona fide criminals. Two real criminals. Guys that were really supposed to be there. Watch what happens. Verse 32. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers were gambling for his clothes by throwing dice. Jesus is on the cross. 
nailed at the, at the point of death. And, and they're on the ground. They're throwing dice for his clothes. They know not what they do. They know not what they do. They have no clue what they're doing. Every person that was involved in getting Jesus to the cross knew not what they were doing. They had no clue who he was. They didn't know what they were doing. And Jesus, in all of this, I believe because he took care of business with God first, was able to then hang on a cross and go through what he went through and say these words with the purest motives ever. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, that's forgiveness. Forgiveness is when you don't have anything locking you and that person together. When you can just simply say, I forgive you with a pure heart, with pure motives, understanding fully that they didn't know what they did. And if they were trying to get at you, they still didn't know what they were doing. Amen? He freely forgave. Jesus wept in the garden for the people that were going to crucify him. You know, it's funny as Jesus is hanging there with the two other guys. And think about this. He feels everything that they're feeling. At least. He feels more than that. Okay. Cause he's carrying the sin of the world on his, on his back. Right. But all three of those guys were nailed the same way, put up the same way. And in that moment, he's feeling exactly what they're feeling. You got to get this. That means that when you're going through something, that means when you're hurt, somebody's taking advantage of you. He knows how you feel. I'm going to let that marinate for a minute. He knows exactly how you feel. Jesus knows how you feel. He knows how bad it hurts. He knows how you feel. He's not clueless. He's not disconnected. He's not out of touch. He's not in some lofty place. He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights just to know how we're tempted. He went to the cross to know what pain was like, right? He knows how you feel when people hurt you. He knows how you feel when people take advantage of you. He knows how you feel when your parents abandon you. He knows how you feel when somebody you loved hurt you and said stupid things to you and and just really came after you. He knows how you feel. He's in touch with your feelings and he's given you a way to deal with those feelings. Come on, somebody. His word is clear on how to deal with that. He hasn't hidden it from us. It's not a secret that we cannot discover. He's told us 
how to deal with it. Not only did he tell us, he gave us an example of how to deal with it. He said, when you're hurt, go to the garden. When somebody does something that hurts you, go to the garden. When you're offended, go to the garden. When you need some help, go to the garden. Do you have a quiet place? Do you have a garden in your, in your house? Do you have a place where you meet with God? Because the garden was a regular spot for Jesus. I'm sure Jesus was frustrated with his disciples once or twice. I mean, 12 men stuck together for three and a half years. I mean, I'd be like stuck at the deer camp for three and a half years with these guys. It just ain't happening. Somebody's going to get on somebody's nerves, right? Jesus went to the garden. And he exampled to his disciples how to go to the garden and deal with, he, with what they were feeling. I'm going to read a little bit more. It says, the crowd watched and the, and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. You know, people have said, well, they say they're a Christian. Let's see if they're a Christian. They say they're God's child. Let's see if they act like God's child. Or when you, when you fail and you blow it, they go, hmm, thought they was God's child. That's okay. Let them see you get back up. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened to the cross above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed and said, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Do you fear God even when do you fear God even when you have been sentenced to death? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. <laughs> even before he finished up the cross, the work on the cross, Jesus forgave that man of his sins and said, even today, you're going to enter with me into paradise. Even today, as a friend of mine in Jennings, we all, we all started coming to our Savior's church at the same time. And, and uh, she come from a pretty rough background. And she shared a story one time that was just really profound. And it's, it's just really a story that really fits today. And uh, she was molested as a young girl. Her uncle molested her several times. Uh, time and time again, he just, he continued. And she wasn't protected by her parents. She didn't, she come from a rough environment. So she's married now. She's got kids and she comes, starts coming to church unsaved, gives her life to Jesus. And after a little bit of time, Jesus starts healing her. He starts teaching her about forgiveness, starts dealing with her heart. And in the meantime, the uncle that had molested her for all those years was, was, became deathly sick and was laying in the hospital and he was at the moment of, of getting ready to die. The doctors said, there's nothing else we can do. Here he is. She goes to the hospital. And there's a bunch of people in the room. She just waits. And everybody just eventually leaves. And it's just him and her. And she, she gets on the side of his bed. And she calls his name. 
And she's getting ready to start her spill, her forgiveness. And he stopped her. He said, stop. I know what you're going to say. I'm sorry. And she said, oh, I forgive you. And she released him in that moment. And he gave his life to Christ right there in that moment. And then he passed away. Now, if she never deals with what's going on inside of her, if she stays mad at him and carries all this bitterness and rage and anger and everything else, does he ever get to heaven? Does he get saved? You see, the thing about forgiveness is that forgiveness isn't just to free you up. Forgiveness is to free other people up. It's as if you're releasing them. You're canceling a debt. They've, they've hurt you and now you put them in a place where they owe you something, right? And you got to cancel that. I just did this with my dad. I'm 40 years old. He came and visited a couple months ago. Most of you heard the story. My dad been in and out of my life. We've had a rough time. Wasn't, wasn't raised with him. He comes back into my life. I asked for forgiveness when God really started dealing with me. And, and so we, we started to build a relationship and it's kind of been up and down, up and down, up and down. He came and I, one time I prayed for him to, to move down here and work with him. And God answered all those prayers, did all those things. Worked with my dad for eight months and he lived with us for eight months and got in another fight. <laughs> Family's tough, isn't it? <laughs> the toughest of all. And so my dad eventually moves back to where he came from and we're still here and so he's down a month or two ago helping me in the bathroom do some ceramic tile and I had to come cut the church. So he said, I'll go with you. And so Ethan was with us and Ethan was blowing the parking lot. We'd finished cutting everything. And me and my dad are sitting in the truck, just sitting there. And he, he starts to, and I, I'd been feeling like I needed to say something. God has started dealing with me about this thing that I was holding against him. My daddy still owed me. I said, I forgave him. And I treated him like he was forgiven, but I still felt like he owed me something. I still felt like he's the one that had to pursue the relationship. He's the one that had to call. He's the one that had to sacrifice and drive down here, not me up there. You with me? And so I still had that debt on him. And God had dealt with me about it. And we're sitting in the parking lot. He just, he just, you know, it's just one of those dad son moments. And he goes, man, I'm so proud of you. He said, you're doing a great job raising that boy. He said, I wish I could have had that with you. I said, yeah, dad, me too, man. I said, that would have been sweet. I said, but you know what? I, I got to say something. He's like, well, what? I said, I need you to forgive me. He's like, what you talking about? I said, dad, for 40 years, I felt like you owed me something. I said, I haven't called you. You've called me. I haven't pursued you. You've pursued me. And at my convenience, we've had a relationship. But only at my convenience. I visited with you when I wanted to. And sometimes I made it tough just because I felt like it. Like you owed me something. And I said, Dad, you owe me nothing. I'm sorry for holding that debt against you. I wish I could tell you it was we ended up in tears and crying and everything else. He was like, oh, no problem. 
And though he felt like, oh, no problem, silly boy. I was more like, God, I got this weight off of me. But I released him. You, you seeing this? I let him go. When Jesus looked at us on the cross, he let us go. He let the debt go. He let the hurt go. He let the pain go. Come on, somebody. You just got to let it go. You got to cancel the debt. Nobody owes you nothing. They don't owe you nothing. When you've forgiven them. But when you haven't forgiven them, whoo, they got some debt. Brings me to point three. Get rid of excess baggage. This is where we're going to lose some weight this morning. We're going to get rid of some excess baggage. Go with me to Ephesians chapter four. You still hanging in there with me? You good? Can I go a little bit longer? Thank you. Ephesians chapter four. Verse 31 to 32. I just want to make sure we got this, y'all. I just want to make sure we understand forgiveness. I, I, want to, I want to hang out with some people that are free. I want to hang out with some people that know how to forgive because you know what? I'm going to offend you, and I may hurt you, and I need to know that you know how to forgive me. <laughs> I'm setting this thing up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I ain't stupid. I know how I am. Ephesians 4.31 The Bible says this, it says to get rid of all. Now you need to put a square box around that. You put some eyebrows on the top of it in your Bible and hit it with the highlighter when you get home because he does mean all. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Verse 32, instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So just as you've been forgiven, you need to forgive others. Amen? And he says, so instead of being full of rage and anger and bitterness, you need to be full of love and tender-hearted, and you need to help other people out, right? You need to be kind to one another, all these things. So I brought something this morning, and I want to do a little demonstration. I don't do this too often, but I brought my luggage and so today, some of us are walking around with some baggage. You ever try to go to the airport with too much baggage? You see, it's already kind of hard to hold. See, usually this is my wife's bag. And I get a corner of it. <laughs> but what, what, what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus is that you're going to have to get rid of some stuff in order to do something else. So let's call this one bitterness. This is the bag of bitterness. And he's saying you can't do what God intends for you to do as long as you're carrying the bag of bitterness. Amen? And let's call this one rage. And let's call this one unforgiveness. So this is what life looks like when we don't know the process of forgiveness. And we don't know how to lament. And we don't know the example that Jesus gave us on how to freely forgive people. This is what we've been looking like for years. We're going through life. Trying to do what God has called us to do. I want you to love people. Can you hug somebody with all this? I, I want you to serve others. I want you to help. Can you go help so-and-so cut the grass with this in your hands? I want you to reach out to the lost. Can you reach out to anybody with this? 
You can try, right? But you're not going to be very successful. Why? Because you've got too much in your hands. And what God is saying to us this morning is that you've got to let that go. Let it go. I was about to sing the Frozen song. I mean, <laughs> just to make sure you got it. Thank you that nobody said sing the Frozen song. Why that junk popped in my head? It's the goofiest songs in the world pop in your head when you preach. And so, so he says, let go of that bitterness. In other words, you got to release some people of bitterness. Why? Because bitterness is like cancer in your soul. It goes to places that it didn't start. And it starts to affect all your relationships when you're hanging on to bitterness. You know why? Because when you got all this going on, you got to get this. When you got all this going on, you know what you are? You're highly sensitive. And you're walking through life. And if somebody even comes close, you go, ah, watch it. Why? Because you're sensitive. Why? Because your scab is open. And you're in an environment of high temptation. And you're not dealing with it. You didn't put no triple antibiotic and a Band-Aid on there, right? You didn't deal with it. So you're sensitive. So you got to let go of that bitterness. It says you got to let go of this anger. And you got to take the unforgiveness. It's Samsonite. It'll be all right. And you got to let it go. You got to let it go. Now what are you? You're free. You're not drawn down. You know that big bag could weigh 60 pounds at the airport? So actually, I just lost 100 pounds of baggage. Your pants ought to get a little loose. Come on, somebody. Your life, your relationships ought to loosen up a little bit. Life ought to get a little bit easier. Because you're not carrying all this junk. So you know what that means? When you let go of all that, that means that people can actually start loving you now. Because you ain't got all this junk in the way. Right? That means that you can start loving yourself now. Why? Because you got rid of all this junk. You see, somebody today is going to have to learn how to forgive themselves. I'll forgive everybody. I don't know. Nobody can hurt me. I'm quick to forgive. Except when I look in the mirror. I can't forgive myself. But God can forgive you. But why can't you? I just can't forgive myself. He says to get rid of all of that. And he says this word in verse 32. He says, instead, instead of that, I got something better for you. This is called the abundant life, people. The abundant life ain't that you're driving a Cadillac, okay? The abundant life is that you live in free. No matter what you got in your bank account, that's the abundant life, is that I can have good, healthy relationships. I can be in a relationship with some good, God-loving people, and everything can go good. Why? Because I ain't got all this baggage. So what am I living? The abundant life. That's the abundant life. And if you get some jingle jangle when you got all the good relationships, you're living the abundant life. If he wanted us to carry... All of this, he would have built us that way. He would have built us that way, and then you'd see some verses in the Bible disappear. Like the verse in, 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 in Peter that says, cast your cares upon him 
because he cares for you. That word cast actually means it's the same as throwing a blanket on a donkey's back as you get ready to mount the donkey to ride it. That's what that word cast means. It means to cast it. In other words, I'm letting it go. What are you letting go? All my cares. All my hurts. All my pain. All my bitterness. I'm just going to cast that on God. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to take it. And he's going to care for you. You know what that means? He's going to bring care to you. In other words, he's going to take care of you. Because here's a secret. God wants to take care of you. In my life, I've gotten in the way. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm no, no, no tension. I'm good. I just want to take care of you, son. Oh, I got this. Come on, let me put a little triple in. No. He wants to take care of us. Why? Because he wants us to be healthy. He wants you to be free. You see, when you understand that Jesus went to the cross so that we could be free, he meant that we could be free indeed. In other words, like we could be truly free. Like free, free. You ever go somewhere and people say something's free and then they got a hidden hook around the corner and they get you with the hook when you go to get something free? This is free with no hooks. And he just wants to love you and he wants to care for you. Why? Because he wants you to be healthy. Why? Because he's saying to the world, this is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. That's what he wants to shine over your life for the rest of the world to see that this is my son in your workplace. This is my son. Look at him. He's healthy. He's in my house. I take care of people in my house that belong to me. He's healthy. Look, he got a glow on his face. He got a little shine on him. Why is he the golden child? Because he's a child of God. That's why. And God takes care of his own. Amen. He's good to his people. He loves you. You know what stinks in this life? Is that sometimes we get hooked up with people that hurt us so bad, we can't let nobody love us. I'm sorry for what you went through. I'm sorry you had to go through that. I'm sorry that I had to go through what I went through. But I, I, I thank God that I went through it because he brought me out of that darkness and into a light and I'm free. I'm free. My back hurts so bad from carrying baggage all them years. I don't want to carry nothing. Derek wanted me to pick up an ice chest full of drinks yesterday. I ain't picking that up. You crazy. He said, a big man like you ought to be able to pick that up by himself. And I was thinking, yep, back in the day I would have, but I ain't doing it today. Why? Because God made me smart. <laughs> and my back is shot from carrying too much baggage. Amen? Let me give you a few more things real quick and I'm going to let you go. How do you know if you have for unforgiveness towards somebody? Number one, do you keep thinking about them? 
Can you not get it out of your head? You know how it is. Don't pretend that you can forget about them. Every time you close your eyes, you're thinking about them. You know you've got unforgiveness if you keep thinking about that person and what they did. Number two, do they emotionally affect you? Is it affecting your emotions? Number three, do you recall the details? (laughs) Anybody else can play the details out like me? I'm just serious. If I get in a fight with somebody or somebody hurts me, I could play it back to you in high definition. I could tell you what they said, what they looked like when they said it, what the hair on their head was doing when they said it. I could tell you. And, man, I lay in bed, and I'm just like, Lord, I'm tired. I've been dealing with crazy folk all day, Lord. I need some sleep. And I lay down, and my head hits the pillar, and here comes the details. And I flip on the other side, and there's some more details. I say, Lord, please, I want to sleep. Details. He's saying, I know you want to sleep. You're just going to have to let them go. So that's how you know if you've got unforgiveness towards somebody. If they're always on your mind, if you're emotionally affected by them, and do you recall the details? How do you feel when you get next to that person again? Because <laughs> what happens is when we don't forgive people, we learn how to coexist, don't we? Right? You'd be at a party, a family reunion with a hundred of your family members, and you spend the whole day dancing away from so-and-so. Right? You see them coming to the left, you're heading to the right. I was doing that for y'all so y'all would get the right side and left side. Right? And then they go this way. They're at the dessert table, and you're like, you, you're waiting. And you know how they are? They're always at the dessert table. <laughs> right? And they're always hogging up your favorite dessert. Chocolate pie. You got two pieces of chocolate. So you spend the whole time just dancing away from them. Why? Because you're trying to coexist. You don't want to deal with the problem. That's how you know if there's something there. Pastor Bubba says this, and it's one of his quotes. He says, the only way to dig up the root of bitterness is with the shovel of forgiveness. You got you to dig it up with the shovel of forgiveness. So let me give you six things that forgiveness is not. Six things that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not denying or diminishing the sin. It's not denying that it happened. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not responding to an apology. Forgiveness is not when somebody comes up to you because we train our kids to do this, right? I know I'm not the only one. We train our kids to do this. What happens when the brother and the sister gets into a fight? You apologize. I'm sorry. You say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Then what happens? We send them on their way, right? What happened? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. They just learn how to act in front of mom and daddy, right? So so forgiveness is is not... denying or diminishing the sin and, and, it's, and it's definitely not a response to an apology. Sometimes people come up and say they're sorry and you may take you a while before you can say I forgive you. Number three, forgiveness is not covering up sin. You don't cover it up and act like it didn't happen. You don't hide it. Number four, it's not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I used to always think forgiveness was forgetting. I knew I forgive somebody when I forgot. The problem is I never forgot. Right? I can tell you in detail what my uncle did to me. Now, I've forgiven him, but it's not forgetting. Forgiveness is not trust. Just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you have to trust them again. Come on, somebody. Don't be a fool and go walk right back in. And number six, forgiveness is not reconciliation. It's not reconciling the relationship. 
It's coming to a place where I owe you nothing and you owe me nothing. Amen? And, and so let me give you six things that forgiveness is. Forgiveness is canceling a debt. Forgiveness is removing that person's control over you. <laughs> it's like when somebody hurts you, you give them the remote control of your life and they just toy with you, don't they? <laughs> Forgiveness is a gift for them and for you. Forgiveness is leaving the ultimate justice to God. Oh, that's hard to do, isn't it? Forgiveness is both a decision and a process. And forgiveness is genuinely wanting good for them. Amen. Maybe you say, I needed that. Me too. I needed that. I hope you feel lighter. I hope you can let go of some things. I hope you understand the process of lamenting. And I encourage you to start today. Start lamenting today. Go, go take a moment. I mean, listen, the saints probably ain't going to win anyway. Okay, and just you just soon go to the closet because you're going to be there crying anyway. So just just go to the closet and, and cry out to God and deal what I want you to deal with. This is what I want you to deal with. I want you to deal with what the Holy Spirit reminded you of today. Because let me tell you something. While I was preaching that message, the Holy Spirit was speaking to every person in here. And he brought something back to your memory. He brought a situation. He brought a circumstance. He brought something back. Very simple. Take that thing and go deal with it. That's step one. Go deal with it. Whatever it is. He's not going to give you the whole boatload at one time because he knows you can't handle it. He's going to give you bits and pieces at a time and you go deal with it. If you're mad at your daddy, if you're mad at your mama, if you're mad at your husband or your wife, you need to deal with it. Start today with whatever he's told you to do today. Amen? And then freely forgive. Release them, cancel the debt, say you're free. I free you and me from this thing. And when you do that, you pick up the footstool and the devil no, more, no longer has a, an access into your life in that area, right? And you're free. And don't pick up any more baggage. You only got two hands. He gave you those two hands to reach people and build their lives. That's what he gave you those two hands for. Not to carry your junk. Amen? Can you stand up with me this morning? I'm going to do tithes and offerings. I hadn't forgotten. But I want to do something this morning. Maybe you're here and honestly, you got some junk. And... You know what? You may be like, Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can wait to get home. I'm going to give you an opportunity today. 
So if that's you, if God's spoken to you today, if he's laid something heavy on your heart, if he's brought back into your memory somebody who's hurt you or a situation or circumstance, I'm not going to get you to say it out loud. I'm not going to get you to confess it to everybody around you. We're going to keep it private. We're going to leave it between you and God. But I just want to open up the altars this morning. If you're here and you say, you know what, man, Pastor, uh, man, I, I don't even know if I'm forgiven. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity today. Just right where you are right now, just, just bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you and you've said, you know what, I, I've never received the forgiveness of God. If that's you, just raise your hand this morning, just real quick. If you've never accepted Jesus' forgiveness on the cross, that's you. I see you. Good, you can put them down. I just want you to say this with me this morning. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. And Lord, I want you to teach me how to forgive others. Just like you forgave me. Freely you've given. Freely I want to give. Amen. So that's you this morning. If you're here and you want to come and deal with something on the altars this morning, I just want to open them up and invite you to come and lay it down. Right now, where you're at, just whatever you want to do. You want to let go of something, let it go. There's no shame. There's no nothing to be embarrassed about. Father, we bless you this morning. Lord, I thank you for being so good to us. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for teaching us how to forgive. Jesus, thank you for your example in the garden and thank you for your example on the cross. That in the midst of everything that was going on at the precipice of all your pain, at the climax of, of, of the struggle, the climax of everything, you was able to look out at the crowd that was gambling for your clothes and still throwing mocks and slanders at you and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, I want that attitude. Lord, I need that attitude. I need that heart. I need that in my heart, Lord. Father, for the person that's here and just hasn't been able to forgive themselves for something they've done, for maybe some place that they've failed or something, a decision they've made or something that happened, Lord whether they brought it upon themselves or somebody else brought it on them and they just holding on to this guilt and this grief, I just pray right now, Lord, help them to forgive themselves. And some of you may just need to say right now, just say, just say your own name and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. I let you go. I release you. I release you right now. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we bless you and we worship you and we praise you. <laughs> Lord, help us to discover this abundant life. <laughs> Lord, this abundant life where we can, we can just live light and live free and rejoice and have great relationships. We thank you, Jesus. 
We thank you, Lord. We bless you this morning. You say this with me, church. Can you say, I love you, Lord? Amen.